So let's go ahead and let's start. We're going to talk tonight about examining the miracles of the Bible. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be examining the miracles of the Bible. It is everyday encouragement from extraordinary events. That's what the topic is for tonight. You should see that coming up on your screen in just a moment. Examining the miracles of the Bible. These are going to be everyday encouragements, right, from extraordinary events. And what the Lord began to share with me um, as I was meditating on this idea is that God wants us to gain some encouragement, to draw some encouragement by studying the miracles of the Bible and, and looking at the people who were a part of it and how God um, interacted with them and how God intervened in their lives. Um, I want you to understand that God can intervene in your life through miracles. And I want you to look at these extraordinary cases, these, these wonderful case studies of, of God intervening in the lives of those who chose to put their trust in him. So people had problems that were solved in extraordinary ways. That's what you're going to see tonight as we go through tonight's text, that people had problems that were solved in extraordinary ways. Um, and the word extraordinary um, is defined as going beyond what is usual, very unusual, very different from what is normal or ordinary, so unusual as to be remarkable. So that's what extraordinary means. It's something remarkable, something out of the ordinary, something beyond ordinary. And so what we're going to see is that God is going to do some extraordinary things in the lives of people who put their faith in him. And I believe that right now today, God will still do extraordinary things in the lives of those who choose to put their faith in him. So we're going to go to Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44 in the Web Bible, okay? W-E-B, the Web Bible. This is just another version um, of Scripture, but very easy to read. Uh, so we're going to start at verse 30. Here's what it says. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Now, what they had done and taught, it says that they reported to Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Well, in Mark 6, earlier on, Jesus commissioned them two by two to go out and to do ministry. And so in verse 12, it says, so they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons. They anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So this is what they're reporting to Jesus. Jesus, we went out and the power that you gave us to do ministry was effective. We were able to do everything that you sent us out to do. So we're going back to verse 31. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all towns, all the towns, and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. 
by this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. Mm. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Now, what we will see in today's miracle are ordinary people, ordinary resources, and an extraordinary problem solved by our extraordinary God. I'm going to read that one more time for you because I want that to sink in. We are going to see ordinary people, ordinary resources, and an extraordinary problem solved by our extraordinary God. In verse 39, in fact, let's take a moment to go back for just a moment. I want to read what happens here. So the disciples come back to Jesus to share with Jesus the success of their mission trip, that they had preached repentance, that they had healed the sick, and that demons had fled the bodies of those that they ministered to. And Jesus invites them to take a moment to rest because it was constant ministry for them, constant coming and going of people in their lives. Anywhere that Jesus and the disciples was, there would always be a crowd around him. People would be asking for healing and miracles, and he would be teaching the word of God. It was a constant flow of ministry for them. And he understood how important it was for them to have a respite, for them to have a, an opportunity to regroup, to reset, to relax and to get themselves well rested so that they could come back to ministry invigorated and refreshed and ready to go. So he gets them into a boat and they go to the other side. The people recognize them, see that they're going to the other side and on foot, they run around to the other side of this body of water 
and they get there before Jesus and the disciples do. And when they arrive to the other side, they meet this waiting group of people who are awaiting another miracle, another healing, another deliverance, and another word. And Jesus sees him, and the scripture says, when Jesus sees them, he has compassion upon them. And he shares the word of God with them because they were like sheep that had no shepherd. He noticed that they were a people who were without the covering of a shepherd, without that good, strong teaching that he was able to give them. And he had compassion on their position. And so he begins to share the word of God with them. After sharing the word of God, the disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, these people have been with us all day. It's getting late. Send them away so that they can go into the neighboring towns and into the countryside and buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus said something amazing to them. He says, you feed them. Ah. Now we're talking about over 5,000 people here. The scripture tells us at the very end of this story that there were 5,000 men, but this does not include men, uh, women, excuse me, and children. This is only the men that's being counted here. 5,000 men and their families, if they had family. So multiples of thousands of people crowded here, listening to the word of God, just to be in the presence of this great man, Jesus now. And Jesus said, feed them. The first thing they said to Jesus is, wait a minute, this is over a year's worth of wages it would take to buy enough bread to feed these people. Is this what you expect us to do? Do you expect us to round up that kind of money? We don't have those kind of resources in, able, in, in order to be able to do what you are asking us to do. So in verse 39, Jesus takes control of the situation. Here's what he does now. Watch him. He sees that they don't have enough faith to carry out what he has asked them to do. They are looking at 5,000 people and thinking there's no way we can do it. Jesus is tasking them with the job of feeding 5,000 people. They have already told Jesus what they didn't have. Now Jesus takes control of the situation. First, he establishes order, bringing calm and confidence. Now, we're supposed to draw something, encouragement for everyday life. Let me say this. When there is a need, whatever the need might be, whether it be financial, whether it be relational, whether it be physical in the body, whether it be whatever it might be, mental, emotional, the first thing we got to do is bring order to the situation. We got to bring order to the atmosphere because the enemy thrives in chaos. And so if there are people running around everywhere, going to and fro, if there are disciples running left and right, trying to get things done, everybody's interjecting and throwing out their opinions at the same time, it's going to create chaos. It's going to create a spirit of chaos and there's going to be no comfort. There's going to be no calm and there's going to be no confidence. So the first thing Jesus does is he creates an atmosphere or an environment of order. He tells them to have the people sit down. That is the very first thing he, do, he does. And it says they sit down in groups of 50s and 100s. So he establishes order. First thing he does, before he does anything, before he moves in any way, 
Before he gives any other instructions, he establishes order so that there can be calm and confidence. Uh, calm and confidence. Somebody say that tonight. Calm and confidence. Don't allow the situation to cause you to be frantic. You cannot think clearly when you're frantic. You cannot think clearly when you're panicked. And if other people around you are panicked, everybody cannot be panicked. There has to be somebody who has a calm spirit, who is the voice of reason, who can call for order in the midst of the chaos. This is what Jesus does. He, first of all, establishes order. And then in first verse 41, we see what I call the point of transfer, the point of transfer. This is where what they had was given to Jesus. Okay. So they took what they had and gave it to Jesus. What did they have? They had five loaves and two fishes. John goes deeper and tells us where they got it from, that there was a lad, right? John or Matthew, one of them says that there was a lad who had a lunch. Peter said there's a lad here. He got a lunch. He got five fishes, five barley loaves, excuse me, and two fishes. And so they take what they have and they give it to Jesus. This is what they gave to Jesus. Number one, the overwhelming responsibility of the moment. They turned over and turning over the fish and the loaves. They also turned over the overwhelming responsibility of the situation that was in front of them. It's like the scripture says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you right now. The disciples who had been tasked with feeding over 5,000 people, they have turned over the responsibility of feeding those people to Jesus. They have taken that weight off of themselves. It is no longer their responsibility. Jesus is now taking control and they have passed on the fish and the loaves and the responsibility that was overwhelming in the moment. What they also gave to him was the minimal resources that they had in hand. The small fishes and the barley loaves, that little bit, they gave it to Jesus. Literally, they put the situation in his hands. That's why I want to stop right now. I want to stop and I want to invite everybody who's going through something, who's dealing with something, who's up against something that feels or seems or appears to be overwhelming. I want you tonight. I want to invite you to put the situation in his hands. I want to invite you to stop trying to carry the load yourself. Stop trying to deal with it on your own. Stop trying to do it in your own brute strength. Stop trying to be strong enough and go ahead and admit your weakness because in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. It is time for us now to turn over to him the things that are too big for us to handle. Lord, have mercy. Somebody type down in the timeline. I'm about to turn some things over. Yeah, I'm about to turn over this child that I can't control. I'm about to turn over these financial issues. I'm about to turn over these people that are coming against me. I'm about to turn over these physical issues in my body. God, I'm about to give it to you because I know what's too big for me is not too big for you. It's time for me to relinquish control and let 
you have it. This is what they did when they gave him the fish and the loaves. They gave him the minimal resources, but they also gave him the responsibility. They put the situation into his hands. All right, this is everyday encouragement, right? Everyday encouragement is what we're getting from extraordinary situations, extraordinary things. We're seeing here that it's our job to put it in his hands because all they could see was a deficit. All they could see was a deficit. The size of the need in comparison to their resources. So they were looking at the size of the need, 5,000 men, their wives, their sons, their daughters, five barley loaves, two fish. And when they put them on the scale, you know what happened? The need far outweighed the resources. Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever been where your needs far outweigh your resources? Am I talking to anybody tonight? Is anybody watching tonight who has a need that outweighs your resources? Who has a problem that, 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 that outweighs your ability? Come on. You've been trying to solve it. You've been trying to work it out in your mind. You've been losing sleep, pacing around the house, and you still hadn't come up with a solution yet. Everything you tried has failed up to this point. There are times in our lives, y'all, all of us, there are times in our lives when we come up against situations where the need is far heavier than the resources. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I feel the encouragement coming tonight. But see, this is where we learn that when we get to those types of things, like Deacon Pitt says, when it gets to be to the point where it is above our pay grade, we give it to the one for which there is nothing above his, part, his pay grade. So this is the beauty of it, is that they could only see the deficit. And that's what happens to us, too. We look at the situation and all we can see is the deficit. But Jesus saw a solution in seed form. Ah, they saw a deficit. They saw a need that was greater than their resources. But Jesus saw a solution in seed form. Just give me what you have. Oh, hallelujah. Give me what do you have? Go and see. Go and see what you got. Go and see what you have to work with. Go look for it. I'm waiting on you. And when you get it, he says, bring it back to me. Oh, my God. Give me what you have. See, so many of us are worried about what we don't have. And we're not working with what we do have. Good God. Ah, oh, somebody needs to start working with what they do have. What has God already blessed you with? What has God already given you? What talent do you have? What skill? What ability? What resources has God blessed you with? They had five fish and two loaves. And they turned that over to Jesus. They gave it to him because what he saw was a seed. He saw a solution in seed form. You know what seeds do? Oh, seeds bring forth a harvest. Yeah, yeah. See, that's why if you only make a little something, some people say, well, you know, 
Pastor, I don't tithe because I don't make that much money. Man, put, listen, I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. No, it's up to you. You make your decision. But I know when I was struggling financially, somebody told me, man, you got to put that seed in the ground. It wasn't but a little bit. You got to put that seed in the ground in order to see a harvest. Because one seed can produce a watermelon vine, which in each watermelon has multiple seeds. Uh, I have never, listen, watermelons, when you open it up, it has multiple seeds, which means you can re-sow. Lord have mercy. Yes, God. So we're going to, listen, he says, I got a solution, but it's in seed form. It's in that little bit that you have, right? Now, here's two things to be considered. And, and, and this is going to be this encouragement for us. We're examining the miracles of the Bible. We're going to take a slow walk and we're going to pull from it everything we can to help us while we're living here on earth. We're not just going to get something to shout off of. We're going to get some educate, some spiritually educational resources from this. Here are two things that need to be considered. Jesus and the disciples spoke two different languages. I don't mean in terms of their language that they spoke. They, they all spoke Aramaic. Okay, Greek and Aramaic. That's what the New Testament is in. Well, they spoke the same language, but they spoke two different languages. They spoke in impossibilities. That, that was the language of the disciples. Impossibilities. They spoke in the language of what was impossible. That's what they seem to talk about. Jesus spoke in the language of possibilities. Those are the two languages. You're either speaking impossibilities or possibilities. Now, everybody take a moment, close your eyes and examine which language you've been speaking. Come on, I want you to think about it for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it. Think about it. Come on, call yourself, call yourself to account tonight. Ask yourself, which language have I been speaking? Have I been speaking impossibilities or possibilities? Hmm. Now, here's, here's what's very, very important and we can't miss. Both Jesus and the disciples saw the same problem, but they also saw different solutions. Isn't it amazing how two people can look at the same thing and see something different? We often use the, the glass that's half empty to some. That is also half full to others. Where some people see something that was a negative. Others will see it as a blessing. I was having a conversation with someone the other day. I think it was Portia and, 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 and a train was holding me up. And, and I was really ready to get home because I needed to get to the house to take care of some business. And Portia said, you know, um, the other day I was, you know, I was backed up in traffic and I was ready to move forward. But it hit me that maybe God was keeping me from coming across something that would have been bad for me. Maybe there was an accident down the road. Maybe there was something that God was, was, was keeping me away from. Maybe there was safety in my being held up. See, it changed my perspective. See how two people can see the same situation 
in two completely different ways. So they saw the same problem. They saw the same situation. They saw over 5,000 people that needed to be fed, but they both saw two different solutions. David Guzik says that the disciple solution was to get rid of the need by getting rid of the needy. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Oh, Mr. Guzik, that was serious right there. He said that the disciple solution was to get rid of the need by getting rid of the needy. That's why they said send them away. Send them off to the, to the neighboring cities and countrysides so that they can buy themselves something to eat. Both the way that they spoke and the solutions that they came up with were affected by the way they, you know what I'm going to say, thought. The way they saw the situation and the solution that they came up with was affected by the way they thought. You know what I'm saying? As a man thinketh, so is he. Our minds control so much of how we operate. And so the solution that they came up, it came up with, it was all in the way that they think. And they thought differently. And the scriptures tell us now, God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't do things the way you do things. I don't think the way you think. You don't do things the way I do things. You don't think the way I think. This is what God is saying. And right now that's showing itself in this text. Watch this, y'all. Watch this. Here's what the disciples said. This place is deserted and it's already late. Send them away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. Now, they saw the problem of people need, needing, to be, needing to eat, right? They assessed the issue. Jesus saw the same issue. Their solution was send them away. Jesus' solution was you give them something to eat. <laughs> the disciples come back. Watch, watch the way they think now. That would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus speaks back. Watch the way he thinks. How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. This is the language of someone who thinks in possibilities. Jesus says, you feed them. How many loaves do you have? Go and do an inventory. This is the language of someone who thinks in possibilities. But the language of someone who thinks in impossibility says, send them away. And are we to take a half year's wages and feed all these people? Talking about what it would take to get it done. Here's what I learned in this study. Watch this. You can only speak what you think. You can only speak what you think. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart and the mind are synonymous in Scripture. They're connected. We can only speak what we think. Our mouths betray our thoughts. 
There's so many people who say, I have faith, I believe, I trust God. But eventually, if they really don't, if they really don't believe, if they really don't trust, their mouths will betray what they say. They will eventually speak what's actually going on in their mind and in their heart. So this is all the disciples did. They just spoke what they thought. They thought that this was an impossible task. They thought that this was way too much. There's no way we're going to be able to do this. First of all, we don't have a half year's wages. We don't even have those type of resources. That's what we think it will take. And they say that to express to Jesus the enormity of the task. As if he doesn't know how big it is. He knew how big it was before he asked him. In John's writing and telling of this story, it says he asked Philip, what do you think it'll take? And Philip said, you know, gave him an idea. And, and it says he asked him this already knowing what he was going to do. He asked him this to test him because he already knew what he was going to do. Can I tell you, God already knows how big your problem is. Before, <laughs> before he starts speaking to you about moving forward, he already knows what it is you face. Can I tell you that God is not intimidated by, by, by how big your situation is? I, I need everybody to know. I need everybody to know that your God is not intimidated by how big your problem is. No, 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 he's not. He's not intimidated by a doctor's diagnosis. He's not intimidated by a cutoff notice. He's not, he's not intimidated by a dispossessory notice. Oh my God, he's not intimidated by a mean manager or, or, or a dirty director. Come on, y'all. He, he's not intimidated by any of this stuff that's going on in the world right now. None of this intimidates your God. Nothing you face intimidates him. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're up against, but he also knows exactly what he is going to do. Ah, he already has the solution to your problem. Oh, my goodness. He asked them this to test them because he knew what he was going to do already. Pulling all of these together. Ah, and then, and then if we hadn't learned enough tonight, if then, if, if we hadn't gotten enough encouragement, he teaches us a lesson in gratitude. Oh my goodness. Jesus turns around and teaches us a lesson in gratitude. He gives thanks for what he had. Wow. Jesus takes, I need, I need everybody to picture this. Over 5,000 people need to be fed. And instead of praying for more bread and praying for more fish, Jesus gives thanks for what he had. The word blessed 
we read it in the web, and you'll read it in the King James, New King James, I believe. Uh, the NIV uses the word uh, thanks. NLT uses blessed. Most translations use the word he blessed it. But in the Greek, that word blessed means to celebrate with praises or the giving of thanks. Jesus has over 5,000 people in front of him sitting on the ground, seated in 50s and 100s, over 5,000 people. He's holding five loaves and two fish in his hand. (laughs) And he's celebrating with praises. He's giving God thanks for what he has, even though to us, it's not enough. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, if we could learn how to give God thanks for what we do have. Jesus did not pray for more. He thanked God for what he had in his hand. Oh, what a praise will go up from the earth. What a praise will go up from our houses. What a praise will go up from our churches, whether we're inside or in the parking lot or we're doing it virtual. What a praise will go up to the heavens if every man, woman, boy, and girl would be grateful and thankful for what they have. He gave thanks for what he had. He didn't complain about what he wish he had. He didn't talk to God about the deficit. He didn't talk about to God about this not being enough. He thanked God for what he had. I hope this is encouraging you tonight. And then he blesses thousands of people through the disciples. Hear what I said. The disciples didn't bless them. Jesus blessed them through the disciples. They were the vehicle through which the blessing traveled. The blessing got from him to the people through the disciples. Oh, they were carriers of the blessing. They, they, they were like they were like the Holy Ghost. Uh, you understand the people who bring you the food, you order the food from the restaurant and the people bring it to your house. I can't think of the name right now, but you know the name. Type it down in the timeline if you got it. I can't think of the name of that. Those people, they, you order the food and then those people pick the food up and they bring the food to your house for you. You order the groceries and, and they pick them up and then they bring them to your house. for them. That's what they were. Jesus was the blesser. They were the blessees. They were the benefactors. And the disciples were the vehicles through which the blessings traveled from him to their targets. I see y'all. There it is. Y'all putting it down there. Y'all got it. (laughs) They were not responsible for the solution or the outcome. My God, my God, the disciples were not responsible for the solution. Their job was the turnover. 
their job was to give Jesus what they had. Turn it over to Jesus and he'll work it out. Y'all remember that song? Work it out. Telephone disconnect. You, you know, the, you know, the song, you know, the song. I don't want to start because some of y'all will start singing it and you dance off and you won't hear any more of the Bible study. So that was their job. Go find what you have. Bring it to me. And Jesus took it from there. He was responsible for the solution and the outcome. How many of you tonight? How many of you tonight? I want to ask this question. And you can put it in the timeline if you're bold enough to do it. How many of you tonight are bold enough to trust God with your solutions and your outcomes? How many of you are bold enough tonight to say, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to cast my cares upon you because I know you care for me. All of the concerns that I have for my life, my family's life, whatever it is that has been weighing me down and troubling me, whatever it is, Lord, has been outside of the realm of my ability to fix it or control it. Tonight, God, I am going to trust you with the solution and the outcome. Come on. We're about to get free tonight. Somebody needs to get free tonight. Lord, tonight I trust you with the solution to all my issues, to all my problems, to all my trials and tribulations, to all my situations, to my physical ailments, to my relational issues, to my work issues. God, I trust you. I Tonight, Lord, I turn it all over to you. Hallelujah. I trust you with the solutions and I trust you with the outcomes. So I've been thinking about the food thing, right? The food, obviously, it must have multiplied while it was in his hands because he was breaking it off and giving it to him. Breaking off a piece of bread, giving it to a disciple breaking off a piece of fish, and he just kept doing that. Keep in mind, he had five loaves and two fish and over 5,000 people to feed, and he kept breaking off pieces. So the, the fish and the loaves must have been multiplying in his hands. Hmm. All the disciples did Hear, hear this, y'all, is they simply partnered with Jesus through their willingness to serve and their obedience. Jesus was the solution. He was the fix for the problem that faced them. And all they did was partnered with Jesus through their willingness to serve. Yeah, 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 yeah. And their obedience. As we as a church, me as a pastor, as I look at the landscape of what we face now in this generation, seems overwhelming with all that we've got going on. And there's a mandate that God has placed on this church to introduce the kingdom, change generations, and create a Christian 
culture. Christ, church, kingdom, to lift Christ. Huh, good God. To draw people into the church and to build kingdom. That's our mission in this current age. And it seems like what we're up against is too much. But, oh, thank you, Lord, for this word. Real life, all we have to do is be willing to serve and be obedient. Because he's the answer. They partnered with him. Man, I, listen, oh, God. When God inspires us, we got to be obedient because on the other side of obedience is a blessing. Every time, every time we obey God and we do what God says, we follow the principles and precepts of the word of God. There is a blessing on the other side of our obedience. And because they partnered with him. With their willingness to serve and their ability to be obedient. Over 5,000 people were fed with five loaves and two fish. And I want everybody to notice something. I want you to notice that they took what they were given and they did with it what they were instructed to do. They didn't ad lib. They didn't make any adjustments. They didn't change anything on the fly. They didn't ask for more. They took what they were given and they did with it what they were instructed to do. And it worked. It worked. And what I noticed, and I hope y'all noticed this right here, there was no more discussion about the amount of the resources. If you go back and read it, I don't see anywhere where they discussed, discussed how much they had again with Jesus. They didn't discuss how much they had and they did not discuss how much they didn't have. That never came up again. Never came up again. Once Jesus got it in his hand, that conversation never came up again. So here's the result. Verse 42. They all ate and were satisfied. All of them, everybody. All 5,000 men. If they had wives and children. They all ate and were satisfied. Everybody got some. And, and, and everybody didn't get just a little bit. They all ate and were satisfied. They ate to satisfaction. <laughs> it wasn't just a little something to hold them over. He literally fed them well. Oh, our God does all things well. Ah. Our God does all things well. Verse 43, and all the disciples picked up 12 baskets full. Y'all, are y'all reading what I'm reading? They picked up 12 baskets fulls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The other gospel said that Jesus told them, go out and get the fragments that are left over so that nothing is lost, so that nothing is wasted because he doesn't believe in being wasteful. But this is, listen now, you start off with what the disciples said wasn't enough. 
Read the other gospels and see how it's written. They ask the, they say we got we have a large lunch, five loaves and two fishes, but what is this among so many? That's the question that was asked. What is this among so many? What are we gonna do with this? What are we gonna, what are we supposed to? How many people are we gonna feed with this? Wow. Verse 44 said, the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. 5,000, y'all. 5,000 men. Jesus. What an extraordinary result. You see, the disciples were seeing the situation through the lens of what was possible based on what they could do. Did you hear that? The disciples were seeing the situation through the lens of what was possible based on what they could do. How many of us have made that mistake? How many of us have done that in our lifetime? I've done it so many times. I looked at a situation through the lens of what was possible based on my ability, my resources, my knowledge, my wisdom, my, my understanding. And it caused me to be anxious, depressed, huh? Huh? Overwhelmed, stressed. Because I was looking at it based on me. And that's the mistake that the disciples made. They, 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 they looked at the feeding of this group of people based on them. Because they knew that the problem was bigger than them. So they spoke in those terms. It just it makes sense. It makes sense. They knew they couldn't do it. So that's why the language matched. But what Jesus was challenging them to do was see things through the lens of what was possible based on what he could do through them. You see, what he can do through us far exceeds what we're able to do on ourselves or by ourselves. With God. All things are possible. All things are possible to him that believe. Lord, without him, we can do nothing. See, when, when we put our faith and our trust, our confidence in him, he can do amazing things, not only on our behalf, but he can do amazing things through us. Oh, Jesus, not only can he do amazing things for us, he can do amazing things through us. And that's what he wanted the disciples to see. He wanted them to see, man, when you see those moments that seem so much bigger than you. And I'm telling you to move forward. I don't want you to be intimidated by the moment because I'm not intimidated by it. I want you to put your faith in me, put your trust in me, rely on me. Know I have a plan. Uh, no, I have the power. And trust me, 
to work it out on your behalf. Now, what's what's really cool is that they had just returned from a very successful mission trip. Right? Mark 6, 12. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Exactly what Jesus told them they'd be able to do. Yep. One scripture, they say, Jesus, man, it was just like you said. Man, we healed the sick. Man, the dead were raised and, and, and even the demons, uh, you know what I'm saying? They responded to us. Jesus said, don't rejoice for that. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But they came back with a report. Jesus, man, it was just like you said. We were able to do just what you said. You empowered us to do. But then they came to this and they couldn't believe for it. Because it was so much bigger. Uh, God, this thing is stepping all over my toes. You see, there have been times in my life when I trusted God on one level and saw his power. And then other times when something was way bigger and I struggled with the trust thing. And it's because the situation had changed. What I needed to remember was my God didn't change. The same Jesus who gave them power over devils and over sickness and power to preach the gospel would empower them to do this next thing if they could just believe. Ah, the only thing that changed is your situation, but not the God you serve. The God you serve is God over the small and over the large, over what looks easy and over what looks hard. Man, I hope that you're being encouraged by this tonight. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Lord, for this. Man, this is blessing me. So this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. If that was possible, this is possible. That, that's my new mantra now. That's my new mantra. If that was possible, if that thing God did for me yesterday or the day before or two days or three days or four days or months or years, whatever, if that was possible because I put my trust and my confidence and my faith in God, then by God, this is possible too. This can work out in my favor too. God can fix this for me too. God can heal this too. God can supply this too. God can defend me against this too. Man, if he did it before, he can do it again. Mm, 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 mm. My God. My God. And here's what he did it with, y'all. Here's what he did it with. The quantity. Five loaves and two fish. I, I, I want to keep pushing that. He did it with five loaves and two fish. And then the quality, he did it with five barley loaves and two small fish. See, barley loaves was, was seen to be a lesser type of bread because of the, because of the barley it was made out of. They, 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 the fine wheat was a superior, it made a superior bread. So barley loaves was seen to be a poor man's bread. 
and they didn't have big fish. You understand? It wasn't like you go deep sea fishing and you catch those fish that are like six feet long. They had small fishes. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Look at what he did it with. Look at what he fed over 5,000 people with. My God, my God, my God. Here's, here, here's the word before I give you the last scripture tonight. We must never make the mistake of underestimating what God can work with. Oh, let us never, ever again make the mistake of underestimating what God can work with. It may not be much. It may not look like much, but our God plus what we have oh, is more than enough. Oh, God, I feel like shouting it here tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. <laughs> it may not look like much. It may not be much, but I'm telling you, if you put it in his hand, <laughs> God, I promise you, I will never underestimate what you can work with <laughs> or who you can work with or who you can work through. <laughs> God, you are awesome. You are awesome. Here's our scripture for tonight, man. This is our encouragement, encouragement scripture. I, 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 if, you, if you want to, you can. You can just speak this to yourself for the rest of the week. And, and in fact, you can speak this to yourself until we get to the next Bible study. But my God shall supply all your need, and you can say my need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But my God uh, shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you, he is a need meeting God. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. He will supply all your need. He supplied their need that day. Yes, he did. He supplied the need, all of them. Everybody ate until they were full. I believe God can do the same for us today. I believe that there are areas, areas where we're struggling, areas where there's a deficit, problems and situations and circumstances that are so much bigger than we are. Sometimes it is intimidating, but I want to encourage you today that the God you serve is not intimidated. You turn that problem over to him. Turn that situation over to him. Pray to him about that physical issue in your body. Pray to him about your finances. I'm do that. Trust him. Put your faith in him. You already believe in him. You're one of his children. I'm just encouraging you to do what you already know to do. Not telling you anything new. This study, examining the miracles, Deke, can you put that back up for me? Examining the miracles of the Bible, everyday encouragement from extraordinary events. That's what we're going to be getting from this series in this Bible study. We're going to get everyday encouragement, encouragement for everyday life from studying these extraordinary events.
That's what we're going to get, y'all. That's what we're going to get. And I know I want to put that up there because I want you to look at that real good. That's what God's going to do for us. That's what he's going to bless us with. Man, I'm so grateful that you guys hung out with me tonight. Thank you so much for taking the time to allow me to share with you what God has inspired in my spirit. I don't know about you, but I have been thoroughly blessed by this study tonight. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you for knowing what we needed to hear. Thank you for sharing it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you're not saved, you're not a Christian, you heard this word and uh, you want to give your life to Christ tonight, you want to be saved, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I'm sorry for everything that I've done that was against your will. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that he died on the cross to save me from my sins. I also believe and I also confess, God, that you raised him from the dead, like you said you would. He is alive forevermore, making intercession for the saints. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Listen, if you prayed that prayer tonight, I want to say congratulations. But I also want to ask you to please text the word salvation to 912-325-9959. 912-325-9959. When you do that, you receive a text. It'll have a link in it. Click that link. And that link will have just a little bit of information on the decision that you made tonight. As well, there's a questionnaire below that. Please fill that out because we would love to give you support in your new life in Jesus Christ. Welcome to the body of Christ. Mm-hmm.